Zach asks, what are your guys' opinions on pop culture classical musicians like Andre Ryu? Hmm. So where do we start? There, I mean, there's a few ways you can kind of look at this one and approach it. Um, let's first maybe clarify who Andre Ryu is. Sure. So Andre Ryu is, is a violinist. He's an international, he's an international violinist. He plays concerts. He... He doesn't play with the Boston Symphony or the New York Philharmonic, Tchaikovsky, violin concerto sort of stuff. But no, he plays music for more of the pop everyday audience, right? So he'll play movie music. He'll play the Blue Danube Waltz. He's kind of kind of like every instrument I think has their icon like this. So mm. like Yanni on piano. Um, you could say Chris Bodie on trumpet, Andre Ryu on violin. Um, is there a flute player that falls into this? Maybe someone like James Galway, but he had a okay. legit career. He had, yeah, yeah, he has a legit career, you know. And then what kind of the pop culture route? Yeah. 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 So Andre Ryu's concert, right? He'll play some Boston, him and his orchestra, right? They'll play, he'll play Bossa Nova. He'll play film music. He'll play music from Titanic music. Anyway, yeah. So it's kind of um, that kind of, that kind of instrumentalist. Yeah. Um, what are your initial thoughts on someone like that? You know, he's not, it's, it's just music. He's not harming anyone. Um, I, I, have, <laughs> right. I find it hard to, um, to bring myself to be like, uh, to have any sort of antipathy towards, towards people like him. Um, you know, the, the world of music is, is broad. It, it's, it's huge. Um, there's so many ways to, I think I've said this before, but th- there are so many ways to be a musician. Um, yeah. it makes no sense to, to begrudge how, how anyone else chooses to be a musician, you know? Um, mm-hmm. He's clearly he's clearly talented. Like he's he's clearly very successful. Um, yeah, he's tapped into something about what people like to hear for sure. I mean, this guy. Yeah, that's true. He sells out better than most classical musicians can dream of. He, he can sell out. Mm-hmm. He can sell out halls, and he could probably sell out an arena if he wanted to. And he does. He, he does. I mean, he yeah. did when he came here to to the Bay Area. Yeah. Exactly. Ago, yeah. So you know, yeah. na- name me any name me any other classical musician who could. Um, who could sell out an arena, you know, that's, it's tough. But, um, so, you know, yeah. I, my opinion on that is, you know, he's, he's providing value to, to people who, who enjoy that kind of thing. It's not my thing, but, you know, I, I think Ricky Gervais has a, has a bit about how so much of the internet right now is, is people walking by a, like they're just walking down the street and they see a sign up for guitar lessons and they get really pissed off and they, they, you know, they take the number on the sign and they call up the person and he says, hello. And, and you go, I don't want fucking guitar lessons. And you hang up the phone. <laughs> it's like, you don't need to do that. Just don't take the guitar lessons. You know, if you, yeah. if you, if you don't like him, just don't go to his concerts. Don't listen to his CDs. Um, but yeah. let him make his money. You know, it's fine. You gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. And we're all just trying to, we're all just trying to make it here, you know? Um, so, yeah. you know, there, there's a kind right. of attitude that, that, you know, maybe even like me and you used to take when we were in college, um, where you would mm-hmm. sort of begrudge people like that because they, they weren't, you know, real artists. But, you know, I think as you sort of mature, you, you realize that everyone's just trying to, you know, do their own thing. And if you don't like what someone else is doing, if they're not harming anyone, just, just do what you want to do. And you don't need to say anything about yeah. him, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, first, I mean, I do think there's even stuff we can learn from these sorts of artists, right? So it's, I mean, when I hear violinists and violinists that kind of berate or, or not that, I guess roll our eyes when they hear Andre Ryu, right? Or hear the name Andre Ryu. I say, look, he 
plays a Stradivarius and he sells out arenas around the world. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, you don't think there's one thing you can learn? <laughs> yeah. 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 There's, there's, there's something to not only respect, first of all, right? Um, but yeah, there's something to really learn about that, right? I mean, he's a violinist, right? He, and he's selling out these concerts, right? Arenas that seat 20,000 people. Right. He's doing something right and some something interesting and he's tapped into something that's kind of I'm sorry to say, yeah, I, I love the Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto, but yeah, I mean, what is it that he's playing that's really selling? I mean, it really poses all these interesting questions that most classical musicians don't even bother asking. So Yeah. We've said before, right? We're all just musicians. I mean, we're all just trying to do our thing and get by, right? I don't think there's a whole lot of room for musician on musician hate. It's just not it doesn't do either side any good in this. Right. Um, I've heard trumpet players attack and kind of, again, roll their eyes at Chris Bodie, right? Who's, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's a jazz trumpet player. I, I think he's quite good. I mean, sure. He'll play some fluff here and there, but no, I, I think he's, he's a very good trumpet player and puts out some, puts out some really good recordings. And again, he's not, he's not playing at Lincoln center every day. No, he's touring with Josh Groban. I, I look at it too, where I, I like kind of stop trumpet players. I kind of stop trumpet players when I, hear people berate Chris Bodie and say like, look, grow up, right? Anyone who's successful in any realm of our instrument is good for all of us, hmm. right? You know, he's the best-selling instrumental artist in America, Chris Bodie is. So, and he's a trumpet player, right? And I've even heard trumpet players kind of roll their eyes and, and attack Wynton Marcellus, right? And like, oh, you know, I'm, He's too mainstream for me. He's not as edgy. Like I don't totally love his recording of the Hummel concerto. And I'm like, stop it. Come on. Come <laughs> on. Like, you know how powerful and important a force he is in, in our instrument, in, in the artistic community, in artistic um space of the United States of America. I mean, the power he has and has built for himself. He can take out his iPhone and call the president. <laughs> right now right <laughs> and he plays the trumpet he plays this instrument i can i'm holding right here in my hand right so people grow up these quote sellouts that some people will call them i just don't think that's fair i just don't think it's fair and you know pause and maybe actually listen to what they're doing and then have an opinion on it yeah and i will say that you know the 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 attitude some people take towards towards these kind of figures seems to be um seems to be sort of thinking that that the world of music is a zero-sum game, and it's really not, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Andre Ryu selling out arenas isn't doing anything. Um, he's not taking concert tickets away from, from you. In fact, if yeah, anything, right. he's, he's, giving, he's, he's making your instrument much more visible and making your genre of music much more visible. In fact, he's, it's, what mu- music is a, is a positive-sum sum game. When someone... When someone yeah. becomes as successful as um, Winston Marsalis or Andre Ryu, it's like you said, it's good for it's good for everybody because now your instrument's on the map, like your your music is on the map, even if it's not exactly the way that you you want. And yeah, I just I can't imagine. Um, I can't I, I I can't imagine, but you know, it's it's not good to it's not I don't think it's right to 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 um, begrudge someone of that because yeah, you know. Like you can, we can take the example of James Galway, who's slightly different because um, because he did have he 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 did have like a straight up classical career. He was principal flute of the Berlin Philharmonic for a while, mm-hmm. and he was a sort of quote unquote proper soloist for for a long time as well. He just happened to do these sort of greatest hits, um, sort of like pop tune albums yeah. every now and then. 
Um, right. But, you know, what that allowed him to do, you know, he basically had a deal with his record label where he said, okay, look, I'll record this, um, I'll record this CD of like uh, soundtrack music from like The Lion King and The Pink Panther or something. But then after that, mm-hmm. I'm going to record a, um, a series of, um, of Debian concertos or something like that. Um, like yeah. he, he managed to record so much of the flute repertoire um, that is obscure and, and previously didn't have good um, recordings of it, pro- like properly um, made recordings of it existing. That was like for easy access. Hmm. But now they're now, you know, there's so much of the he there opened up, he blasted open this flute repertoire and, you know, no record company would able, would agree to if you just walked up to them and said, hey, I want to record obscure flute concertos, you know, from the from the sort of French 18th century. Um, they're gonna say yeah. No, yeah. they're gonna say fuck off. Like no one cares about this except for like twenty people. Um, but yeah. if you say okay, well, also if I make a recording of like songs by Henry Mancini, and that becomes that mm-hmm. that goes like platinum or whatever, now can we throw some money at at this pet project that I have? Right. You know? So you know this kind. That's only one example of how this kind of stuff works. But you know, yeah. Like I said at the very beginning of this, he's not harming anyone, and in fact, if he's doing anything, it's a net positive for for our instrument and our and our genre. So, um, yeah, just because he's not doing it exactly the way that you would want to do it, doesn't mean that you should like hate his guts for it. Under Ryu, he's somehow able to fill a twenty thousand person arena of of people that showed up to listen to an orchestra. How 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 is that a bad thing for us, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know. Um, I I think in the same the same um, vein is uh you know it's kind of become a trend over the past ten years of orchestras. I mean the San Francisco Symphony here in town they they do these um, music with the film live right they'll do mm-hmm. Harry Potter with the film playing on a screen above the orchestra and the orchestra is playing the music along live and and look I mean it sells out the concert hall like the first hour goes on sale <laughs> and people who maybe just you know don't aren't don't go to the orchestra that often, aren't that into classical music. Now they're, now you have them, right? Now you have them going to the concert hall and they're curious, right? Oh, what else does this orchestra do? Oh, here's, you know, an advertisement for a pops concert or a concert of Prokofiev, right? That they're pitching. So it's like, come on people. <laughs> like we're, all, we're on the same side here, but yeah, exactly. But, um, exactly. No, no one goes yeah. to one of these concerts and says, you know, I, if I never hear a violin again, I'll be good. <laughs> yeah, right, right, <laughs> going, exactly. Oh, that was interesting. I wonder what more, what more he does, what what more there is along the same lines, you know? Right. And also, come on, we all know people are just jealous, right? Like Andre <laughs> Ryu, he, he's just been so successful financially and just, you know, um, name recognitions, just, yeah. Yeah. You wish you did it first, but you didn't. So <laughs> yeah. Who, who, who among the critics of Andre Ryu would, would genuinely turn down, um, the opportunity to sell out an arena, um, yeah. you know, for playing, look, I mean, I've had to do shitty concerts where I play music that I don't want to do. For essentially nothing. Yeah, right. <laughs> every, every musician has, you know. But if they say like same music, you know, it's not music that you love, but you know, you do it for a couple of hours. You sell out an arena, and you know, you you take it to the bank. And you stay at the Four Seasons. Come on. <laughs> who, who among us would yeah. say no? I certainly wouldn't. Um, Selling out is underrated, man. Yeah, all the great people yeah. did it. Yeah, you know? well, clip it. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Nick asks, Streeter, have you ever played an Indian flute? Hmm, that's a good question. Have you? I don't actually know. I have, I have, um, you know, played around on one, um, but not, okay. it, yeah. but not, not very much. Um, not enough to, to, to actually, um, um, 
be of any kind of competence on it. Um, yeah. Like I, I couldn't. I couldn't play um, a scale on it, for example. Oh, okay. Um, wow. Even okay. I. Um, it's 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 a it's a completely different. Um, it's a completely different method of of, of blowing. Even it's just a different um, different oh, kind wow, of okay. different kind of air and a different kind of um, embouchure. I hate using that word, but you know it's true. Um, it's even a different mm-hmm. way of holding. You know, it's, because it's it's just a. Um, not, it's yeah. it's just like a a you know stick. Um, the whole the way you <laughs> hold it is just it's it's you know the cat the flute is interesting because it's it's such a huge category of instruments you know it's because it's one of the mm. oldest you know after after the voice and uh drums flute, yeah, flute the, is the, next. the tree stump yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um the the flute is the oldest yeah. instrument after after yeah. those so you know there it exists in so many different forms that the the arbitrary relationship between them which is that there's no medium between the air and the instrument um, right, right. That that yeah, just blowing, if you blow across like a beer bottle, right? That's yeah, sort of a flute, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so you know, in that in that in that sort of genre of instruments, there exists so many different things that that um, there's right. it's so it's so it's so broad. But I, I would love to. Mm. Uh, you know, I I can't imagine a world in which um, you know I would, I would go to my deathbed not not having um, at least learned to play a little bit. On the Indian flute, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's just you no, know. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I really do love a lot of um a lot of Indian music. I mean, I love that album, uh, one with um Ravi Shankar and um yeah the one with Ravi Shankar and Yehudi Menuhin. Yeah, yeah. East meets, East, meets, yeah. East meets East meets West. That's hard to say. Yeah. Um, East meets West. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, that that's such a cool one. I think we brought that up in the very first episode. Oh yeah, ITL, did we? Actually. Yeah. Nice. I think so. I think we may have brought it up. Yeah. Yeah, that's a wonderful, yeah. wonderful album. Yeah, I, I really love um, Indian music. I, I have played um, by by Ravi Shankar. He he wrote a piece for Jean Pierre Rampal and um, I think Segovia on the guitar for flute and guitar. He wrote a piece called uh, Lob Enchanté. Um, okay. Uh, the, the Enchanted Dawn. Um, it's a, it's an Indian raga um, called uh, Thodi raga, which is like a, a sort of morning raga. Um, and um, gotcha. Yeah, it's it's a really cool piece. It's kind of like Indian-ish, but it's played on Western instruments. Um, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorite pieces. It's an area of music. I mean, it's an area of music I just don't know a ton about. But what I do know is, uh, I always love to listen to it, even though, right? It's just it's it's so different, um, instrumentation wise, melodically and stuff. But really cool, really cool stuff. So yeah, I will say if if anyone's so, listening and trying to get into it but finding a hard time because it is almost a different language. Um, mm-hmm, one right. trick to think about it is to um, 
to to recognize that in in Western music, what you're what you're really listening for, like that the point of tension in Western music happens between the melody and the harmony. That's where mm-hmm. that that tension is where the music happens, and that's what you're trained to listen for. If you just get out of that a little bit and and realize that in Indian music, the point of tension, the point that you're really listening for, um, is the is the tension between the melody and the rhythm. Um, mm-hmm. th- those are the elements that are the sort of um, playthings of Indian musicians more than more than harmony. Um, so if you just sort of shift your mindset a little bit, I think it'll make make listening to Indian music a lot more accessible. But that's just that's just my my um, my little hack. There you go. Would you say that album is a good gateway, the Ravi Shankar and um, Yehudi Menuhin album? Sure. Yeah, I think that's that's a great yeah, something um, like that. gateway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, something like that. Um, honestly, if you just search for for Ravi Shankar on Spotify or even just on YouTube, and, and watch, um, mm-hmm. there are tons of recordings of him with his tabla player um, uh, Alaraka, um, who, okay. who's really. We'll put we'll put this in the show notes, but um, you know th- those two really tore it up, and. Um, I think there, there are even some videos where they where they sort of explain what they're doing while they're while they're doing it for Western audiences. Oh. Um, so oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'll try to find one of those and put it in the show notes as well. But I think that's definitely awesome. a good place to start. Rachel asks, Chris, how do I learn to play jazz? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. Great question. And um, may I um, congratulate you on beginning your jazz journey, <laughs> dude? Even back in music school, I got this question a lot because I I was not the only one like this, but there are a lot of trumpet players who maybe didn't. There are a lot of trumpet players that did either jazz or classical, and I really prided, I took pride in doing both, right? Um, and to be fair, I don't blame trumpet players or even piano players who say they either do jazz or classical. I don't blame people from like putting themselves in those corners because that's how music music's kind of taught, right? We're kind of taught either you major in performance or you major in jazz studies, right? Or you're classical trumpet player or jazz trumpet player, but or even just you're either in performance or you're in education. You know, yeah, as, right. As right. if performers don't need to learn how to educate and vice versa. Right. Yeah. So I mean, so so yeah. I mean, there were so many semesters where I would play in um, a jazz ensemble, like a big band. Right. I'd be playing on my B flat trumpet, and then rehearsals over. I put my B flat in the case, go over to the concert hall on campus, and I take out my C trumpet, and now I'm in an orchestra rehearsal. Right. So, so I. I really, I, I'd always played both. So anyway, because of that, sometimes I, I would get this question a lot, even from trumpet players, right? I don't know how to play jazz, right? And I've only done the proper classical trumpet playing. And yeah, I mean, there's uh, a few things. Um, so let's say you wanted to learn Italian, right? You could buy an Italian language book, Right. That's good. Even better. You could get an app on your phone. I guess Duolingo is free. Right. So you could use an app on your phone to practice and play games and learn the language. And, you know, apps are pretty good these days to kind of tailor their approach to how you learn and stuff. So that's great. You could really get extra credit and get an Italian language tutor. Right. And practice. But what's the best what's the best way to really learn Italian? What's the best way to learn Italian? Schreeder. Uh Just fly to rome and yeah. uh go to italy yeah <laughs> go to italy yeah that is the best way and 
uh, yeah, just immerse yourself in it, right? Immerse yourself in the culture, the language, the people, the food, everything, right? Immerse yourself in Italian. And jazz is the same way, right? You could practice your jazz theory. You could study jazz music. You could learn jazz scales, jazz chord progressions, all that. But the best way to learn jazz is go to jazz land. <laughs> and what's great about what's great about jazz land is you don't need to hop on a plane. You have Spotify, Apple Music, anything. Just start listening to jazz. Listen to tons of it. And not just trumpet players. Don't just listen to your own instrument. Listen to Charlie Parker. Listen to Stan Getz. Listen to um, Benny Goodman. Listen to Big Band. Listen to Oscar Peterson. I think you'd agree with this, right? People underestimate how naturally good your ear is. <laughs> You know, your ear really picks up on stuff, right? And yeah, you may not yeah. realize it, but yeah, just surround yourself by jazz. Yeah, that'll just improve your playing. And that's so much more important than learning a particular diminished scale or something, right? Just really getting an ear for jazz and just surrounding yourself with it. So that's the first thing I would say. Second, if people actually want concrete things, so um, a, a great you so yeah you can learn a lot of stuff for free on youtube so chad lb he's a tenor sax player i think he's professor i know he lives in brooklyn um he's a he's a tenor sax professor or just a jazz professor at i think one of the new york schools on and then he um he teaches at san francisco conservatory a bit as well but his youtube channel is really great for any solo instrumentalist learning jazz um yeah he really breaks down from beginning improv to i've never improv before in my life to some pretty advanced stuff um for people who are pianists and want to get into playing jazz i do recommend the youtube channels um amy nolte she has a really phenomenal youtube channel where she breaks down jazz concepts big and small uh beginner and advanced and also Tony Winston, he's a really great um, jazz piano player out of the Atlanta area, I think he is. And he has a really, he's also just really funny and he doesn't try to be, but the way he does his videos is really entertaining. And um, he, uh, yeah, his YouTube channel is really great. And again, he has videos that are pretty advanced, but he has some that are just, a lot of his actually are just very basic and just starting out sort of stuff and and all that. So there's so much free free material. And of course, just start playing it, right? Get a backing track, which again, those you, you just have to buy CDs, but those are all on YouTube now. Just for um, Stella by Starlight or any of the famous jazz heads, jazz standards, just get a backing track and maybe don't even look at the chords at first. Just use your ear and try to play something cool over it and improvise. You'll know if what you're playing is working or what's not and, and you'll surprise yourself. Um, anyway, I talked for a bit there, but that's kind of my, yeah. that's my two cents. Like, like to, to sort of expand on what we were talking about last time, um, you know, with, with, with Baroque music as well, which is quite similar. Um, again, the, the notation is, is not the music and the best way to, to learn stuff like this is just, it is, um, it's just to, to, to listen and, and with jazz, you really have, you really have, um, an, an advantage that's unique, which is, which is that, that the, the, the history of jazz and the evolution of jazz is all on tape yeah, yeah you know that that's the, the the best thing the, the best way to learn jazz is to listen to it and play it and it's the best way to learn anything it's just with something like baroque music unfortunately we don't have we don't have the records so we have to yeah. rely on treatises and and scholarly works and we have to try to get too close to how people might play not for any sort of academic reason not for the reason that we want to recreate the way they played it but just mm -hmm. you know to try to get in our ears how something might have gone so that you can riff on it 
you know right right jazz you had the great good fortune of um not having to let's say deal with those scholarly mm. kinds of texts you know you can just you can just hop on youtube or spotify and just or just go to your record store and there's tons of um there's yeah. tons of like um uh random sort of live recordings of stuff that you won't find on spotify and just yeah. sort of yeah it's so easy to just immerse yourself and and um and listen a lot to jazz you know and that's that's the best way to do anything to just to, to learn by doing basically what i'm trying to say is you know if, if you if you're it might seem daunting to like really get into jazz but it has a it has an advantage that no other um no other music that's like in this realm of like you know rigorous or intellectual artistic music whatever it is um no other music of this kind of caliber has the advantage that jazz has which is that you can really trace the history and the evolution of it just from actually listening to it you know we'll never know how we'll never know how mozart played um or beethoven but but you will know how you know oscar peterson or polonius monk or etc etc like the whole history is there so you know right right just go listen Right. And again, too, it's funny. We've kind of touched upon the store thing before, but it's really never been easier. Like even 10 years ago before streaming services were a thing. Yeah, it was easy, but uh, it was it was fairly easy, but not as easy as it is now. Right now, you, you said Thelonious Monk. I could go listen to everything, every major recording he made. I can have at my fingertips in 20 seconds. Yeah. Right. Even 10 years ago, you couldn't do that. It's unreal. Right? Yeah. Nate asks, what is your favorite movie? about classical music favorite movie about classical music so yeah I'm, I'm assuming this is like movies like amadeus or something a movie about music or takes place in the genre of classical music like that yeah i might need a second to think about it if you got one you should go for it yeah so mine's actually uh, if i could dance with this question a little bit it's not classical classical music but it's jazz so i guess this lead off of the last uh question but yeah it's the movie whiplash Hmm. Uh, directed by Damien Chazelle and written by Damien Chazelle, who became very famous for writing and directing La La Land. So that's why you may know the name. But before that, he made a movie that also got quite a bit of acclaim, but it didn't take over the world the way La La Land did. But yeah, it's called Whiplash, and it stars um, Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons. And J.K. Simmons won the Oscar for it. And I think it won a few more Oscars for Best Editing or Best Sound Design or something. And it chronicles a music student at a fictional New York city music conservatory. And he's a jazz drummer and it's anyway, it's just, the music is great. It's really intense and pretty dark, <laughs> yeah. but it, it's for anyone who's been to music school, they can definitely relate to it. Um, it for better and worse, probably worse, but it's, it's just an awesome movie, but it really kind of gets into the psyche part of being a musician and being a student of music and the relationship you have with music teachers. Because I think as Leonard Bernstein said for one of his young people's concerts that the topic was famous musical teachers, right? There's really no such thing as a self-taught musician. Yeah. You know, the way there are self-taught poets or self-taught painters, every great musician or composer owes something to a teacher they had, right? Even if it's like not institutional, you know. Exactly, exactly. There's yeah. always like a, a teacher. Yeah, a mentor or something, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so, so yeah, so this kind of dives into that relationship and the sometimes dark relationship. And I'll say, yeah, like the movie does, it's probably a bit more extreme than most music schools, but it's not false. It's not inaccurate. There's definitely part of the psyche there that it's, 
that is still prevalent in music schools. And you can have a conversation whether it's good or bad or it's right or wrong, but it's still there and it can still work, which is the interesting part. And it's one of those movies too, after you watch it with whoever you're watching it with, you really want to talk about it after it's done, um, which I always thought is kind of a fun compliment to give a film. So anyway, the music and acting film direction is great. And it's also just like a fun roller coaster thrill ride of a, of a movie about music, which isn't so common. So that's why I throw it out there. Nice. I still have to watch that movie. Um, you, you mentioned you it would love it. I need to, yeah, you would love um, it. Yeah. 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 I think it's the um, lowest budget movie ever to get nominated for best picture. I, I, I want to say. Oh, that's cool. That's that's an interesting that's an interesting tidbit. <laughs> right? Isn't that kind of a fun huh. sort of way yeah, to filter yeah. it? Yeah. 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 And um oh and it's also funny, I didn't know this, but I remember reading afterwards, JK Simmons was in so in so many ways, in so many ways perfect for that role. Cause he got his either his undergraduate or his masters in conducting. And his dad was like a amateur orchestral conductor too, and he JK Simmons knew music his whole life and yeah, and then um, the guy who plays the student, uh, Miles Teller, um, he was actually he's actually a pretty accomplished jazz percussionist and drummer. So he's actually playing the drums in that whole movie and stuff. So, and uh, and again, like divorce it from music, jazz, all that. It's just a really well made film. So, um, I, I'm really struggling to to think of a um, a movie about classical music. Um, there's there's one that I will point to. There's not much to say about it. Um, it's called it's called the transformation of the world into music. Hmm. Um, it's just a short documentary that Werner Herzog did um, at the at the at the um, the, the Bayreuth Festival. Yeah. Um, yeah. As they're staging um, a production of a Wagner opera, um, and he actually works with I think Wagner's grandson or great grandson. Oh, that's interesting. Um, who's there? Yeah, and um, he just captures some of the the mystique uh, and the sort of aura around around Bayreuth now. Um, interesting, because it's become like a pilgrimage of its own, you know, for for um, Wagner for Wagner enthusiasts and people who, right, who love this right. music, and um, you know, and which is not without its own sort of political ambivalencies and and so on. But sure, right? Um, oh, that's interesting. So. That's one that comes to mind. Um, I can't think of many. Honestly, I can't think of very many more movies that are about classical music. Uh, there's Amadeus, which is which is a good movie. Yeah, um, no, can't I go still, wrong with it. But yeah, I mean, especially as a kid, I loved that movie. I mean, I, I just thought it was so cool and fun, and it's it's just so relatable because you know you know you in school we learned about Mozart, right, in, in elementary school. Yeah. But I don't know it was cool to actually watch a movie about it and, and get into the time period and stuff. So. Um, Amadeus is great. Um, but honestly, besides that, what else? Oh, there's the page turner. <laughs> there's the page turner. <laughs> <laughs> um, dude, we should watch the page turner sometime. <laughs> yeah, we should do. We should do a page turner episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Is there any other? What other movies about? There are actually like surprisingly few like straight up. You know, there's always like the odd, the odd like BBC like documentary. Right, know, about, right. about something but there aren't actually that many like like movies like straight up movies that i can think of we could we could list a couple of documentaries if you want you know sure. for this for this segment but th- there's one that I, I don't remember the name of it but it's really easy to find um it is it is the it's a performance of the trout quintet by schubert um hmm. it's a quintet for for um piano violin viola 
cello and bass. Um, and and there's there was a performance of it put on by like a superstar team of um, Itzhak Perlman on violin, Pinka Zuckerman on viola, um, Jacqueline Dupre on cello, Zubin wow. Mehta on on double bass. He went back to his original instrument for this, Damn. and and Daniel Barenboim on piano. <laughs> um, so it's really the that A team. Is the, that is the dream um, team right there. <laughs> that is yeah. So this documentary is about wow. maybe an hour, an hour long, hour fifteen. And the, the second half of it is just a performance, which is an incredible performance. It's still my one of my favorite recordings of of the Trout Quintet. But the first half of it is is just um, them rehearsing. There's no. You know, oh, so there's cool. no super, there's no conceit to it. It's just a look into their rehearsal process and they're so fun. They're, they're really exacting musicians, obviously, as you would expect them to be because they're superstars. But they're also mm-hmm. really funny. They're always like cracking jokes with each other. Can I make a suggestion? It's not together because after you give the sign, you play triplet. You play da-da-da-dum instead of da 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 If you start a little sooner after the sign, one, two, and not... There's a bit when they're when they're hanging out backstage before the concert, and oh, cool. it's amazing how like loose and relaxed they are, probably because yeah. they know the music really well. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So that that's a really cool music documentary or like music movie or whatever. That one sounds cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll this, um, needless to say, this will be in the show notes. With classical music documentaries, there's always like new stuff I'm discovering on Amazon Prime. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's so many, and some of them are like pretty low budget, but really good. Just like chronicling, preparing for this one concert or something, right? It's like, uh, like, like there's one, um, oh, there's one with, uh, Wint Marcellus and what's your name? Nicola Benedetti, the violinist. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's about the premiere of a new violin concerto that Wint Marcellus wrote. And it's with, I think, the London Symphony Orchestra they're premiering it with. And yeah, it's cool. It's like their preparation of how they're preparing and, writing um a brand new work and premiering it which it's pretty cool to see like behind the scenes i, I think that's all on youtube um, oh cool and such like great musicians around so no doubt anyway it's been a year Shreeder. it's been a fun year any any closing remarks on our anniversary special here um i think i think that about does it for me i think i think we we put it all on, on the on the table there i don't know if you want to say any you know any last words not last words. We're not. We're not ending whoa, this. Whoa! <laughs> Do you know something I don't? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let me think here. I mean, we have been going for a while, so it's you know it's, it's uh, <laughs> you know you're pretty fried, but yeah, we we are, we are mentally exhausted. Yeah, that's one thing you learn about podcasting that you never thought is how weirdly exhausting it can be. Like recording an episode. That's true. After yeah. T- two, three, four hours of recording, you're just you're just drained. You're drained yeah. of energy. Even though you've just been sitting in a chair and talking, there's something, there's just something about it. Exactly. But uh, you know, um, you know, uh, we hope you're enjoying the show, and um, and we hope you keep listening. Um, As Tony Bennett would say, "The best is yet to come." The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met.